0: All right welcome into another edition of the roost podcast i am matthew Bartlett, director and managing editor of the roost i am joined this week for a special guest interview with adrian broadis uh, espn El paso here to talk with us about the miners and whatever else is going on in the desert it's a different time zone so who knows
1: matthew is this the last time we're doing this this is uh conference USA versus future aac this is this might be it right
0: this is so aside peel behind the curtain this has been like the opening round of conversation with i think this is the the sixth or seventh opponent preview we've done so far this season and it always opens with hey are we going with you or do we have to make new friends and I've been
1: trying not I, to. I don't think even about know that. friends from Jackson State. I don't know people from Sam Houston State. I mean, we're fortunate to know people from New Mexico State because that's you know just forty-five minutes away from El Paso. But Liberty, I mean, you're gonna have to uh, hook me up with the so the people out there at Liberty so I can start doing podcasts with them.
0: Hey, I know a guy, and fortunately, that was one of the the really interesting parts. So the the season preview, that that side plug for. Everybody hasn't bought that yet. Patreon.com slash at the roost at the roost.com slash shop. Go to both of those websites, subscribe on Patreon. You'll get the preview for free quick plug. But during that preview, one of the things I did was I kind of, and you helped me with this kind of got, you know, favorite memories from conference USA days. And then I sat down with some guys that cover Sam Houston and cover Jackson state and New Mexico state and Liberty. And I got the hate, Give us the spiel. Who are you guys? So part of the preview, if you haven't gotten it yet, I have a little bit from guys who cover all of those schools, and so maybe we can make new friends. Although I was like, we're leaving. I'm not going to see you, but somebody will. Adrian might.
1: There you go. I'll just, you know what I'll do Matthew? I'll just take uh, I'll just take your beautiful work of, of of art that you do every single year along with your team at the Roost, which, by the way, it's, it's the Conference USA Bible. I called it that last year. I'll call it again this year. Whenever you're looking at Conference USA football and, and referencing it, I'm referencing your you, uh, all the work that you guys do. Um, so I, I'm always appreciative of that. But maybe we can convince somebody from Sam Houston State or from some of the new new acquisitions for Conference USA to write this next year so they can carry on the torch. And then you can build like a like a whole brand and a whole l- a legacy, even with Rice leaving Conference USA.
0: I like this. I'm, I'm OK sharing the load. Um, All right. But aside, quick question, I'm curious, what's your favorite thing that's in the preview? This is completely unscripted. I promise we'll get to UTEP next.
1: Well, my my favorite things that I I always like to look at are things like, you know, key returners, key players that they lost. And and that thing, that's kind of my starting point for a lot of, you know, preview magazines. Or I, I just, you know, when I look at things like, uh, different teams across conference USA. we have so much movement when it comes to the transfer portal referencing those key players who come back versus the players that the teams lose is so vital for me that's where i start all my prep and all and when i'm kind of diving into all these teams who are they who are they bringing back oh yeah i remember that name oh i remember that name yeah definitely and i, I always like to see those kinds of things
0: Yeah, I I it's by far I think it's the most helpful for me when I'm putting things together, especially with the transfer portal, because it's no longer safe to assume that whoever star player was for X is still there. And I think, yeah, I think of like Katie Davis with North Texas who went into the portal and then I guess pulled his name back out like the week I was going live. And I'm trying to figure out, does he go in the magazine? Does he not? That was super fun. Thank you, Katie Davis. I mean, you're back now. I wish you the best of luck when you're not playing Rice or UTEP. But <laughs> and aside, I think the transfer portal it kind of is a natural jumping-off point for this conversation because I think it, it matters a lot. UTEP has always been well. I back up Dana Dimmel in particular, but but in time as UTEP has, has hit a lot of JUCO. He's utilized the transfer portal before it was cool. Right? You know, I'm putting that in air quotes. So transfer players have have been a big you know piece of the puzzle for the Miners in recent years. I, I want to h- focus first on the guy that they're losing, uh, Jacob Cowing, arguably the biggest loss to the transfer portal of any conference USA team this year. I think that might be fair. So starting there, what what is the loss to him of him do to the UTEP offense? And and what does it kind of look like with without him as the guy you can just, hey, throw it to him no matter what?
1: Yeah, I, I anticipated this being kind of the first question, Matthew. I'm not really uh, surprised by this. And, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting thing that, unfortunately, UTEP had to deal with all offseason long. I mean, you know, Jacob Cowan could have easily dragged this on for a long time. He could have waited you know, until the season actually started before, or or, I mean, close to the season, maybe, you know, um, you look into May, you look into June, you see guys still uh, declaring that they're hitting the transfer portal. Jacob Cowan could have done that. He could have, prolong what he did as far as just uh you know being an overall prospect and all that kind of stuff but what he did initially was make a decision that was strictly for his kid and he has a kid who you know it's a it's a real interesting story because going all the way back to his rookie year uh jacob C- or his freshman year jacob cowing actually stormed onto the scene with the miners, but i remember a game specifically against uab in which he left the, the team facility right away and he got on a plane to watch uh, or to witness his son being born. And uh, what he had to kind of deal with these past couple of years is a long distance relationship with his son. And I think he was tired of that. So he moved back home to Tucson with Ari- in Arizona. If it was up to him, I think he would have elected to stay in el paso and play with the miners but you know it, it was a family decision this was something that was all uh fueled by his son and how much he really missed him so yes while utep will miss jacob cowing in a huge way among their wide receiver corp i i think they understand i think it was kind of that uh, understanding all across the board that he was ready he, he's ready to move on and make a very professional and mature decision for himself um as far as utep You know, supplementing the loss of him, I don't know. It's going to be a a wide receiver by committee. I I look at Kelly Arkari uh, coming out of Tyler Junior College. He's going to be the guy who's going to have to step up right away. He's not—he's not Jacob Cowing. I'll tell you that right now, Matthew. But he might be Justin Garrett, or he might give you production like Justin Garrett, and that's what UTEP needs. So you lose Jacob Cowing, you lose Justin Garrett. It's a tough loss for you in your wide receiver core, but I do expect UTEP. Uh, to supplement those losses with uh, some of the acquisitions they got here in the transfer portal.
0: Yeah, I think it's w- worth noting and doing a, not a full wrap, but a quick aside that like, especially in today's era with the transfer portal, nobody knows all of what's going on with these kids and their circumstances. And, and I'd known about uh, what was going on with cowing, and that certainly makes sense. And it's it's one of those, it's it's a fact of life and it is what it is. So I think you see some some coaches that'll you know storm and throw fits and say it's not fair that you know my job is harder but uh, I actually spoke with with coach Demel, man what was that June early June something like that mid June I'm losing track of time uh, and you know we talked about that a little bit and he talked about you know what was going on with with Jacob's family and how they were going to do the best they could so it makes sense and I think it's particularly interesting especially as as part of the preview going through and looking at how strong the wide receiver cores across conference USA are. Like it's, it's re- it was really hard for me to go do all conference selections particularly that position. Uh, UTEP. I just kind of scratched my head. And, and then another part that kind of made this more challenging me for me to put together is because when I was going through that list and looking just at offense in general, I was trying to pick all conference quarterback selections. And I think, By default, Frank Harris got the top spot coming back and and coming off a conference championship team where he was a a key part. The next spot was kind of difficult, but I ended up picking uh, between Chris Reynolds at at Charlotte and Gavin Hardison at, at UTEP. So is it is it crazy to think that UTEP has a quarterback that that coming into the season, you could make a reasonable case as an all conference player like. Can you believe that, that that is a fact of life where we are right now?
1: It's crazy, Matthew. It's crazy. I, I'm with you on how bizarre this is because you know this is – as somebody who covers the rice owls all the time – quarterbacks are hard to get, but, but, you know, even beyond that quarterbacks are hard to maintain year after year. There's, there's often injuries or there's the transfer portal. That's looming. There's something that could, you know, maybe there's a, a player who's waiting in, in the, in the kind of behind that starting quarterback who wants also that opportunity. So the way this all shook out, I, I don't know if you could have scripted anything better for Gavin Hardison. He comes here from uh, New Mexico military Institute from, from his first season, he, he pretty much learns from a kind of a weird quarterback group. Um, you know, it was like, kyle Loxley, brandon jones and gavin hardison but then he steps in at one point um in the season and i, I kind of liked what he did I, I didn't think at that point that he was the answer and then the pandemic shortened season came and the coaches claimed that he was the answer I, I don't think he proved it that year but i think he proved something last year that he's ready to get into that role he's ready to become a leader he's he's kind of um you know he he in the first two seasons of covering Gavin, I noticed that he was very soft spoken at times. He wasn't that natural leader. He kind of led by example, but now he's got more moxie to him. He's got more swagger. And I appreciate that from Gavin, because if you're going to be a successful team in conference, in conference USA, if you are going to have a successful program in college football, it starts and ends with your quarterback. And I, I, I always believe that. And I think that as conference USA, at least what's left of it right now, um, continues to be um, kind of air dominant at times. And, and we see these air raid offenses or spread offenses at times. Gavin has an opportunity to really shine this year because of his, his arm. He, he has a, a real big arm. He can, he could throw out of the, off the field. And I think that this is a guy, I don't know if he's necessarily like, you know, your tier one guy in conference you say, but can he be that guy? Yeah, I think he can. And uh, this is going to be really his prove it year. Gavin Hardison, he's the guy I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how he progresses the most out of this whole team.
0: Well, I think he's interesting because even though I, he's he's had two two and a half ish years of, of, of starting experience, like he's he's not a new guy to the scene. He's been around, and, and he's still somewhat of an enigma to me because among all returning Conference USA quarterbacks. He leads everybody in passing yards and interceptions. So you mentioned he has a big arm. I know he can ch- chuck it. I I still I don't know if he's 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 good. Well, yeah, I don't know how the best way to phrase that. Like I I know that he's, he he can play the position, but I don't know from a game to game perspective what I'm gonna get from him today, which which makes it really interesting. Is that fair that, that he's, he kind of is the, you know, roll the dice and see what you get? Do, do you think there's, you know, enough progression there that you've kind of seen that this next phase of his career, he can take that that step, you know, both as
1: a leader and in his game? Yeah, great question. And I and I think I, I come off as like maybe a Gavin Hardison defender or a, an apologist at times. But I, I just want to give you one example to this specific question that you asked me. And I'll and I'll answer your question at the end of it. Um, here at the bowl game, first off, UTEP going to a bowl game for the first time since 2014. I, I think last time I had talked to you about uh, this is it. This is the year where UTEP is, it has to show that they're turning things around or else you know, the the ceiling's going to fall down and it's it's over for this program and they're going to have to hit another reset. Well, they were able to avoid that with the winning season, first time they did so since 2014. And, um, you know, they, they go to the New Mexico Bowl and take on a Fresno State team, which I, I thought they had no chance whatsoever in that game going into it. But they proved that they can go toe-to-toe with a, a real talented Mountain West team. And my biggest takeaway was the final drive where – Hardison had that opportunity to uh, win the game, drive the drive the team down the field. He made an exceptional pass to get his team down the field. But then he fumbles when he scrambles. Right. Um, and that's that was how the season ended. And I I always kind of go back to that moment where um, Justin Garrett, who was their team captain last year, he picks up Gavin Hardison at the end and kind of, you know, gives him one of those uh, like a head tap and, and pretty much says, like, hey, stay in this, stay in this. like you know don't leave, don't uh, fold under pressure and stuff like this, or um, the season's over, but just keep your head up in that sense. I think, um, you know, this year in 2022, if that same situation happens, Artisan finishes the drive and he wins the bowl game. I, I just think that he needed to experience those losses. He needed to experience that heartache in the bowl game in order to take that next step It's just kind of like you know, a leader. I I think he's going to put all that on himself, just knowing who uh, Gavin really is. He's going to put all that on himself and he's going to prove, he's going to have to prove to everybody why he is the solidified quarterback on this team. And if he's not, if he, if he struggles out of the gate, then there's going to be some real questions around the identity of this team. And this, this could go South if he's not able to do that, but I, I have confidence that he will be able to do that. And he will be able to be a winning quarterback as he was last year.
0: And I think it's particularly interesting with him because, you know, we've talked about the, the some of the uncertainties surrounding him. But part, part of that, just going through my list of, of Conference USA quarterbacks, uh, the position is just is just barren. It's been kind of a rough the, the non like you pull out Bailey Zappi and Mason Fine over the past like five years of Conference USA quarterbacks and like. You have some guys that had a couple years, but it it hasn't been great. And I think this year is another uh, going through. I'm like, who's the fourth best quarterback in conference USA? I don't I don't know. Like and so but I think that's particularly important, especially when you're looking at at Hardison, because if Hardison, you know, we're talking about that next step. But if if Hardison just kind of maintains and he's a guy that, you know, is just will throw you know 2 to 1 touchdown to interceptions 1.75 just a little bit better than the, the 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 misfires then you could be looking at a quarterback who on most Saturdays in this league is better than the quarterback on the other team which you talk about and we're going to get into this later about kind of the trajectory of this team and expectations for for the season but but that could be massive he doesn't even have to be great For for this team to take a step forward, he just has to be better than the other guy, and the the conference USA quarterback situation uh, is bleak to to be nice. So does is that kind of in the back of your head too? Kind of have you thought about where he stacks up in in the midst of everybody else and who else might be there?
1: Well, real quick, speaking of conference USA alumni, what about Mike White? I mean, come on, man. Start with the Jets this year, I, I think. Uh, no, no, no. Zach- I,
0: Mike White is yeah. How? How? Wouldn't it Mike White at, at Western Kentucky? Wasn't it like twenty? Was
1: it fifteen? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think it's I've been, been around too long now. Yeah, yeah, now yeah no. I, now my years not are starting to stack up at covering UTEP football. So I think Mike White is like yesterday, and it, and it took forever. So I mean, I mean, it's been forever ago. So now yeah, you're you're exactly right. It's kind of in the back of my head, just knowing that they're. It's just kind of an inconsistent quarterback landscape across Conference USA. Some nights you're going to get a great night from, you know, like you mentioned, a Bailey Zapping. You're going to go, wow, I, I just love watching this. And then other nights you're just going to get OK average play and watch teams put up 27 to 35 points and still win games. So I don't know what to really make of it. I, I think it's real evident um, when you look at UTEP's scores uh, from last year, they don't score a ton. So that that's one of the things that I look at is. Uh, Not really unleashing Gavin Hardison at times with play calling, very, very safe play calling. I think it even kind of goes in the back of Dana Dimmel's head. Like, hey, I don't need to throw. uh, I don't need to have our team throw 40 times a game with Hardison. We can balance it out and, and really dominate the clock and time of possession. At least that's UTEP's philosophy behind a lot of this stuff. Um, you don't need to necessarily have him throw forty times. Although I would say, if you got Hardison in a room and you asked him, "Do you want to throw forty to fifty uh, attempts a game?" He would say, "Yeah, I want to throw sixty uh, passes every single game." So that that would that would be at least my uh, assessment on all this. I will I
0: will say, and, and this kind of dovetails into where I want to go and talk about the running game. But I, I did uh, get, when I had the chance to talk to Coach Dimmel uh, earlier this summer. We spent a good like five, eight minutes talking about fullback recruiting, and it was wonderful because I don't know who else I can talk to about fullback recruiting, but I'm in for the running game. And you were talking about being somewhat of an apologist for Gavin Hardison. I remain an apologist for Deion Hankins. And I'm like, if this guy can stay healthy and he gets a shot, I, I still believe he is one of just the more athletically gifted running backs in Conference USA, and I, I know he might not even get the most carries for UTEP this year, but kind of talk me through part of what, you know, will lighten the load on, on Hardison is the running game, kind of the the blocking up front, and then that tandem of, of Awat and Hankins.
1: Yeah, I'm big. I'm very bullish on this running back group as I've been throughout the past couple years. Uh, It starts with Dion Hankins. He he was injured a lot throughout last season. That was the reason we didn't see a lot of production from him. I mean, he he really hurts his shoulder in the New Mexico State game, which is the first game of the season. He tries to work his way back, but he never really was comfortable until late in the season. And Even late in the season, he wasn't comfortable. So what Dion decided to do was take he was he elected to get off season surgery very early in the off season I'm talking December so he gets his shoulder uh, gets sh- uh, surgery on his sh- uh, shoulder to repair uh, a couple ligaments there and then he's already back in action here in June so I expect a big year from Deion Hankins and we don't even need we like the public doesn't need to expect a big year from him because they have a capable running back in Ronald AY and he's going to be your downhill running back he's a speedster it's the last year that he'll be here with the Miners. They want to run Ronald Awad as much as possible. And I think that that's warranted. He's a very, very good and talented back. I also like some of the other younger running backs that they have on their roster who definitely are. are- people that you should keep an eye out for as well. I know they lost Willie Eldridge over this off season. He was somebody who tried to break through as far as, yeah, you, know, you know, trying to cement himself as maybe a, a, a backup or even, you know, try to earn that playing time. And, and I don't think he was ever guaranteed playing time because of how deep, really how deep this, uh, this running back group really is. And uh, yeah, it's led by Dion Hankins, Ronald Lawatt. Both of them were named Doak Walker, Um, you know award watch list uh, players today so they've already been kind of touted by the league but uh, it starts and ends with uh, uh, Deion Hankins and Ronald Awok as the one-two punch I like Cartraven Walker as a newcomer I think one name to kind of look out for as a scat back is Ray Flores who plays a little bit of running back and a little bit of wide receiver but those are the guys you kind of look at uh, to you know, supplement those those uh run care those carries on the ground um you know for the miners this year.
0: Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm not gonna be surprised. I've been Hankins is he was in the the class of 2018. Is that right?
1: 2019. 2019. 2019. Uh-huh. That's to say,
0: I've been pounding the table for Deion Hankins. We're going on what this is season number four, so I'm still in. <laughs> nice. <laughs> this, All right. We'll we'll see what happens. And then I know the last group I want to hit on, I think offensive line is so interesting. I know that there was a little bit of change. They do get some back. Of course, you know, losing some of those key pieces up front can make things difficult. How is the kind of the big picture um, on the offensive line? I know Andrew Meyer is kind of that fixture in the middle who getting a center back is, is huge, especially one capable like him. But, but what else does that line look like? And how does that kind of fit into the picture of it's a team that wants to lean on the run game. They have a, a veteran quarterback. How does that kind of fit into the mix and, and flush it
1: out? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Andrew Meyer, the center for the Miners. I think he's a standout uh, player, redshirt junior. I like Zuri Henry, who's your left tackle. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Elijah Klein when he's healthy, right guard for the Miners. This year, you're going to see Justin Mayers take his first, uh, you know, His first snaps at the left guard position as a as a returning uh, as a returning player on this roster. However, he didn't have that much playing experience since Bobby DeHaro was in front of him and he was, you know, UTEP's anchor at the left guard position. By the way, that left guard position, Will Hernandez, who ends up playing for the New York Giants, drafted in the second round, now playing with the Cardinals. Uh, Bobby DeHaro, who gets a shot with the Indianapolis Colts during their rookie mini camp. And now you're getting Justin uh, Mayers, who is going to fill that role at the left guard position. So uh, big shoes to fill for him. I'm a little worried when it comes to the too deep with this offensive front. Like when you look at it on paper, you say, wow, you know, four guys returning on the offensive line. It looks sharp. Uh, good size to all these guys. I just get a little worried when it comes to the two deep with these linemen. You you just can't really afford any injuries on your offensive line. And that's not a place you'd like to necessarily be in if you're the minors. Because, uh, hey, we, we all know it. It's, it could be UTEP. It could be Rice. It could be anybody. Um, the offensive line does suffer injuries. I mean, you know, you, you suffer a lot of injuries in the trenches just in general. And uh, that's one of those position groups that you cannot afford any injuries whatsoever.
0: Yeah, especially if you're playing smash mouth football and you're going to get in the trenches, you're going to have these guys hit. It's a, uh, it's, it's a nature of the beast, but it's not a good one, especially for, uh, you know, UTEP and Rice and schools that want to, want to really, I mean, I guess they are the, the running schools there. I guess there's a, a couple others in conference USA that, that kind of spread it out but Rice and UTEP probably be the, the pound the rock ones, the old guard, if you will. But I guess we'll see. And then so. The, the the offense I think is interesting. I think even though they get a good amount of pieces left, I'm still kind of uncertain. They were up and down last year. They kind of made it work when they needed to. The defense is is where I really I think I'm more interested to see what it's going to look like because I still can't say his last name, but Praise is awesome, and I know he's going to be awesome. But this is a defense that was. Number two in total defense in Conference USA last year, which I don't, you would have given me a hundred guesses and say who's number two in total defense in Conference USA. And I don't think I would have gotten to UTEP at any point because that's, it was incredible what they were able to do. But can they get back to, I'm not even going to say top two, but top five? Is this a defense that can hang in that upper tier area? And then how? with uh with the personnel they have back and, and what's it going to look like? Can they win in the same ways?
1: Yeah, great question again. Um UTEP allowed just twenty-five point twenty-two points per game last year. That is really impressive. This is a team that just simply did not allow points. And uh I, I you know I'm a huge fan of Praise Mayule, the defensive end. Uh he has now a running mate, which I, I also like to to really reference. And so that's Jadrian Taylor on the opposite end. Uh he comes from Kilgore College. Jadrian, Jadrian Taylor had a great season. Um, you know, when he first started with the minors back in 2020, but this was really his first year of getting a full body of, of work in a full season. So Jadrian Taylor is another guy to really look at on their uh defensive line. I mean, hey, pick your guy, Keenan Stewart, Kelton Moss is your interior defensive tackles. Those guys played. Um, a good chunk of last season hurt, and they played through injuries, and those guys are tough as nails. I also like um, Maurice Westmoreland. He's going to be a newcomer that everybody's going to watch on the defensive end. I, I'm I'm going to ask Dana Dimmel, can you play five guys on the defensive line? Because it's like you can, you can go eight deep with that defensive front, and you'd feel pretty confident. My biggest question for UTEP, and they can't answer this right now is will they get linebacker Breon Hayward back for another year? All signs were signaling yes for that he would be eligible for an NCAA waiver. However, nothing has been made official yet. And, hey, the time's running out. I mean, we're we're about a month away from the season's start, and we still don't know about Breon Hayward, the linebacker for the minors. He's going to be, uh, in my opinion, the the most key returning player of anybody on that on that defense. He was a monster all over the field last year. I, I just don't I I can't remember. Um, you know, UTIP's had some really good linebackers in in their history, and especially recent history. Alvin Jones, who's Aaron Jones's uh, brother, uh, he was a standout linebacker. You had guys like A.J. Hodgkins, who came from the University of Oregon and uh, led Conference USA when he stayed here. Um, you know, when he got here to the minors and played in the 2018 season, they've had their share of linebackers, but I don't know if any of them tackles as hard and has such a, a nose for tackling like Breon Hayward does. Um, he's he's the anchor of that linebacker core. And that's saying a lot because his running mate in Tyrese Knight, the other linebacker for the minors, he's a fantastic player, too. So I'm looking at that linebacker group as the most, the, 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 you know, the most important returning group for the minors of any uh, position group on the field. And as far as their secondary, it'll be completely rebuilt. I mean, they're bringing in new guys like cornerback Tory Richardson. We got to see a little bit from him last year, but not too much. Josiah Allen out of the, Uh, junior college ranks we'll get a chance to see him as well and then the secondary will be led by of course Dennis Barnes who's a standout nickel corner and uh, and of course Justin Prince who's returning uh, from a injury last year so he'll be back this year so that's kind of your Outlook as far as the defense goes, I still have a little bit of questions when it comes to their secondary. I don't know how they'll fare against the passing game. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest keys this year is getting, of course, you know, getting Breon Hayward as far as his waiver. But then aside from that, you know, be, be a, a really good pass defense this year because they, we know that this team can stop the run at any, at at really any, any uh, costs on their end.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, and there's, there's a lot there and, the one big picture conference USA thing, something that I kind of was was noticing as I went through and kind of looked at all these teams that the the edge position in the defensive line in conference USA this year is is loaded. Conference USA has produced like some great like edge rushers, and I mean, I think they've probably had one or two guys drafted off the edge in the last two, three, four seasons, which has been phenomenal for this league. And, and and UTEP the, the they have a case for, you know, one of the the best combination of bookends. You mentioned Jadrian Taylor and uh, I'm I'm a away I'm a way, I'm a, a Hule. Almost
1: there, almost there. A amayule. <laughs> you know,
0: after he's been in the league for, what, for the fourth year, I'll I'll get it at some point. Um, but there those you go. two, yeah, no
1: worries. You're almost there. Those
0: those two are incredible and yeah, you know i yeah i'd, I'd be okay <laughs> it's like how can we figure out how to play only like one corner that if we can get there <laughs> you know there's some schools that are in that position uh, obviously you can't do that but yeah i think it's interesting those two combined 12 sacks last season kind of a big deal how much of how much of the secondary i'm going to call it uncertainty how much of the secondary uncertainty do you think can be masked by by the D line in that tandem because I think ideally, yeah, you you like to have a rock solid, you know, four or five, six guys that you can trot out there on the back end. But do you think that that front four is so good that Hello? UTEP can kind of get away with having a a okay you
1: still there, <laughs> secondary? Matthew? You still there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, Matthew, sorry, I, I missed I missed the last thing that you said. You cut out. Um, as soon as you were talking about uh, just kind of other things that the the secondary could do to mask the defensive line.
0: Yeah, I I, I guess uh, sorry about that, but just kind of getting to it, like how because the front four and that that rush is so good, do you think that that UTEP might be able to get away with just having a a okay secondary if if the front four and that rush is so good? Like, how good does the secondary have to be? for this defense to stay playing at a level like they were last year. Yeah.
1: I, I think, they, I think I could see that. I, I, I- I think you're gonna to have to get more production from that defensive line when it comes to getting sacks. And I, I think if you you know you reeled off those stats when it comes to the UTEP uh the their sacks from last year. I think they were kind of disappointed. They they expect a little bit more out of these standout players, these all-conference players that they have now. And if you ask Prey Zameele and, and Jadrian Taylor about the sack total, they probably tell you that they weren't satisfied with that as well. So I think that's going to be the big key. Even if the secondary is not up to speed, making sure that you can do all that you can to pressure the quarterback to try to uh, supplement that and mask that a little bit. I I have faith. in Dennis Barnes. And I think he's going to be that guy who's, who's your shutdown corner. But beyond that, I am a little skeptical. You can make arguments. I'm not skeptical, but you can make arguments about all those different players as to maybe why they, they might have some inconsistencies down the line. And most of the reasons is inexperience. There's just not a lot of experience in the secondary compared to other position groups on the field.
0: And that kind of just, it makes it so interesting because, you know, we sat here a year ago and we talked about, you know, circle 2020, 2021 rather being, you know, this is the year that that UTEP has to put it together. We talked about the schedule. We talked about the depth and, and they did. Like they, they at one point, I think they were second or second in the conference USA standings in like the end of October. Like it was it was wild that they made it to the bowl game. Things worked out. We go look at it. We've kind of talked through. I think, you know, from a, from a raw talent and an experience perspective, I, I think it's hard to make a case that this team is, is, is better on paper than they were last year. I think they, they might be somewhat comparable, you know, stronger in some areas, weaker in others. There's, I feel like there's a bit more question marks this year than, than last year. But I think what's interesting is, is the impact of, you know, everyone wants to do it and, and make that push and get to the bowl game and get over the hump. But, but in this world of college football, like it's, what have you done for me lately? Right. So what, what is kind of the, the significance of the 2022 season? Because it's not quite that, you know, if UTEP doesn't make a bowl, then this was just a a flash in the pan. It's, it's all gone. Like the, the, the infrastructure is still there, but, but kind of what's the temperature of the fan base and, and, and what are kind of reasonable, expectations of what this program is supposed to look like this year in 2022 like what does this year need to be for the miners?
1: well i buried the lead matthew because the uh the the uh, headline for this whole year is breaking the streak utep has the longest streak active streak in fbs of a bull drought they have not won a bowl game since 1967 and this hat the, the fan base is putting all the expectations on this team to be the first team to break that. And it's, it's warranted. They have a very favorable schedule. If you look at their strength of schedule, it's laughable. I mean, and, and all the, all the power to UTEP, right? Because sometimes you look at that schedule and you're like, man, this is rough. Where do you find two or three wins on this schedule? But this year you look at the schedule and there are some favorable games for the miners, they have tough opponents at home, uh, a la Boise, who's who's a home team that they they get a host at the Sun Bowl. I I just think that when you look at the UTEP schedule and how it kind of shakes out, it's it's not hard to find seven to you know six to seven wins right off the bat. I would say, and then there's an argument that they could you know try to win a bowl game this year. I I think it's you know it's of course all based on the competition, who they go up against. It's all based on the health of this team. But if healthy, this team, the expectation is they should be a winning team and they should go to a bowl game and win on top of that. So that's the expectation right there. I know if you ask the players, they're going to tell you Conference USA Championship. I would temper those uh, expectations in a big way because you got to learn how to win a a big bowl game uh, in order to take that next step as a program. And uh, what a massive Massive step that would be for this program uh, that is starving for a bowl win.
0: And this is a quick aside, but I was kind of looking through kind of this the other day, and I, I'm sure you're aware of this. For but for any Rice listeners that might be be tuning in, uh, the team that UTEP defeated in their last bowl win, I thought this was just an odd piece of college football history. Oh Miss. Not strange.
1: Oh, yeah. The, the flying Miners back in the 60s. That those were the that seriously was the golden era for UTEP in all sports. And, uh, you know, that football team, Billy Stevens, uh, he led there led the way at the quarterback position. Uh, yeah, I hear those stories about um, them beating Ole Miss and how a tightly contested game that really was. I, I believe it was like 14 to, uh, seven, if I'm not mistaken. Um, nonetheless, UTEP secures that win. Very funny. Also funny to note that it was at the Sun Bowl where they play at. So, you know, they're they're playing at their home bowl game, essentially. And uh, yeah, that's the last time that you get a chance to see UTEP actually win a bowl game.
0: 1967. There you go. There's your trivia factoid for those listening. And then I think, you know, obviously, bowl win is was big. But I kind of thinking and this kind of dovetails back into how we kind of started our conversation that, you know, our, our sad goodbyes. But. Conference USA is is going to look really different in in 2023. And then, I mean, who knows what this league is going to look like by, like, 2025? Like, I, nobody knows. Everything with realignment is crazy. In, in the previous iterations of Conference USA, and I'm going back to, you know, like, the Memphis-Houston days, ECU, you know, like, the first wave and then this last wave where it was kind of steady – uh, UTEP has kind of been a team that's been non-competitive uh, for the past, you know, twenty some odd years. In this, they have last year where they they make the bowl game and they are a competitive team. And even in the games they lost, UTEP played really good football. You know what does it say about you know the identity of this program? If say say hypothetically we we get through twenty twenty two and UTEP, I'm not even gonna say you know wins a bowl game, but UTEP gets seven, eight wins and gets to a bowl game, maybe it's nine. Like, if UTEP can just have a, a solid, good season, they've strung back-to-back to back together, and then you get Newfound Conference USA, where a bunch of the top teams the last couple of years are leaving, now where does UTEP fit in the mix? Is, is that kind of like, does it, I'm not going to say it hangs in the balance, but does it kind of have feel like this year means more for what's next than maybe in years past?
1: This is the this is the breakout video where I go on a on a long rant and I, I talk about how UTEP is really trying. This is the this is the biggest year because you're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head, Matthew. This is the year right here where UTEP nah, it's forget conference USA as far as showing what kind of identity they have. It is no secret. It's the worst kept secret in all of college sports. UTEP. Wants to be in the Mountain West so badly. I mean, they're all all the rivalries are there for UTEP in years past. I mean, UTEP was a long-standing member of the WAC, and a lot of those foes that you see in in the Mountain West are teams that UTEP would face and, and have pretty much bloodbaths again. I mean, people would be surprised when I would say, you know, when I say things like the UTEP had a big rivalry with schools like Utah or Wyoming or Air Force or you know those kinds of teams BYU those kinds of teams right there and if if UTEP would love I I would I would think UTEP would love more than anything to join the Mountain West but how would they get there if they have no form of like resume like you were mentioning right there they had no real success when it comes to athletics in the past 20 years so they have to bolster their resume and as we know with realignment as we know with the shifts in college football, things can change on a daily basis. And if UTEP can prove to the national audience that they are a team that you might want to bet on in the year in the years to come, why not? I mean, this is a, an athletic department that has been overhauled. They have a new athletic director who's uh, you know now been here for five years. A new he hired this head coach and Dana Dimmel. He hired the new UTEP basketball coach and Joe Golding, and uh, things are trending up for the. Uh, I guess you should say the, uh, the higher rated, uh, the higher attended programs in men's basketball and and football. While UTEP track and field continues to hang banners left and right, as far as what they're able to do, you haven't really seen it out of the major sports, but I think you could see a shift if things go right. If they, if they have a little bit of luck on their side, if things start to shift for UTEP's favor, who's to say they can't go to the mountain West, if the mountain West you know, is looking to expand and, wants to acquire more
0: teams yeah you at this point like you tap to the Big East like we don't <laughs> geog- geographic rivalries like don't matter TV markets don't matter until they do matter it's it's very confusing who knows but I think you're right the the most important thing that you could do to influence that is win football games and and basketball is great but, but you gotta win football games so I think it'd be interesting especially in this year and we talk about it yeah, We talk about it all the time, how Conference USA is is not like a, it's not like the SEC or, you know, the Big Ten, a, a pack or a, maybe even a pack 12. in some years that's top heavy where you can pick two or three teams and they're going to win. <laughs> they're going to win the conference championship. It's going to be one of those three every year. Rinse for Pete. I mean. In Conference USA, I mean, you got, you know, maybe Rice and FIU are probably. At the bottom of the teams that have the longest route of, of having that success to make the threat. But even those, those teams, you know, are punching for bowls. So we don't know what's going to happen this year, but I think it's, it's certainly interesting to see. And that's one of the, the things that I enjoy most about doing this because, especially at the Conference USA level, at this G5 level, every school and program is, is playing for something different. Like everybody wants to win a conference championship, I get it. But, but the kind of what a season is and what success looks like it, is different for so many schools. So it's interesting to hear like the Mountain West perspective. I don't think a conference USA fan, fan out of outside of El Paso has has given credence that the Mountain West existed in the past like two or three years. Although, you know, fun fact that you know Rice almost had a chance to join the Mountain West during this past round of realignment, which would have been just wacko but i guess they have the whack whack wacko whack they have the whack ties as well so (laughs) oh man and aside but yeah i think it's super interesting and then i guess kind of wrapping it up big picture if if we're looking at there's this big aspirations right for for what utep could be be in the future but kind of what what does the program look like if we're going forward after this season with Dana Dimmel, because I think it's interesting because, you know, there's all these hot seat trackers and conversations. And it's the, the what you talk about when you get to mid-October in college football and, you know, confer- the beginning of conference play has started. And, and Dana Dimmel, you know, going into last season was, you know, pull up any list, probably near the top of the hot seat conversation, you know, nationally among coaches that needed to get it together. And he did. And it's it's kind of rare to see a coach pull himself off the hot seat and then just start cranking it out. So I'm not going to say, you know, how important I don't think job security is something he's, he's is worried about this year or next year In years past. He's clearly done enough to kind of show that the the core concept works. But just for, you know, the identity of this UTEP program and, and what Dimmel is building you know what what does this year mean for that how much can he solidify kind of his stamp on the program how he wants to build things from the juco ranks and, and you know keeping the local talent he can and from el paso home like wh- what does one more year of of quality football in el paso mean for demo and, and and where he stands in the mix of all of this
1: Well, I think you saw last year, right? Because he he earned that uh, contract extension, which was favorable on both ends. Two-year extension, nothing crazy, kind of just uh, giving him a little raise and extending him uh, for two more years after his current deal expires. So you kind of saw that already. Like You saw that the athletic department kind of already trusts Dana Dimmel in this full rebuild because it was a... A complete 180 overhaul with this entire roster, building it from the ground up, building it with junior college guys, guys who come from the transfer portal, adapting to the the fast pace, changing landscape of college sports. It was all of that and and a little bit more. And I I think that if Dana Dimmel has success this year, we have to look at his model, the junior college ranks model, where you get a lot of those transfers who come in and, and they're like immediate impact players. You have to look at that model a lot more seriously. I know uh, there are a lot of teams across uh, college football that love the, the transfer portal and they'll build their program around that portal. However, if you have a junior, if, if you have uh, junior college pipelines like UTEP is really establishing, I mean, you, you look at the roster; they've got a ton of guys from Tyler. They've got a ton of guys from. Uh, Kilgore, several players uh, now from the California ranks, like the Sacramento, um, you know, the Sacramento part. And and you've got guys from Cerritos College out in California. They've established pipelines, relationships with these junior college coaches. And excuse me, if you if uh, UTEP has success this year, I think a lot more people will follow suit and start to copy this model.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I you know, fellow we'll see if uh they get a, a fellow Cerritos College alum, T.J. McMahon, a quarterback at Rice. We'll see. There's a there's JUCO JUCO flavor all over Conference USA. But that's a conversation for a separate pipeline. Or separate there, pipelines. There <laughs> separate separate <laughs> podcasting. Uh we could be talking Conference USA quarterback battles till the cows come home. But I do want to finish off uh, I can't let you out of here before we go through the round. This is kind of a staple. We do this every offseason with with all of our guests who come through. Uh, we'll give you a run through. What's the list at now? I think it, we're at da, 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 eight questions. Kind of top of your tongue, tip of your tongue, top of your head. I don't know why those two phrases are, are different or like that. But kind of first gut reaction on a, a couple things about the minors uh, for the coming season. Sound good?
1: Sounds great. Let's do it.
0: All right. On offense, who leads the team this year in touchdowns?
1: Deion Hankins.
0: No hesitation.
1: No hesitation. This is the bounce back here.
0: I like this. Deion Hankins hype train. We're starting it right now. All right. Other side. This kind of feels like treating. Uh, So who leads the team in sacks? (laughs)
1: uh, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with bake. I'm going to go with uh, J. Dream Taylor. They call themselves shake and bake. Uh, praise mele and J. and Taylor. This is jt's last year. I know, um, you know, just talking to him how badly he wants it this year. I'm gonna go with jt uh, j, T., j. Taylor sh- uh, bake out of Shake and Bake.
0: Is this like some reverse psychology? We're gonna pass this along to praise so that he will uh, try out just a <laughs> little bit harder.
1: Yeah, I like that. Let's do. let's uh, I'll, I'll send him this clip and uh, I'll tell him what he and then I'll ask him what he thinks.
0: I'll love it. Okay. Uh, which player for the miners, is not going to be a preseason all conference selection, but he probably should be.
1: It's an easy one for me, Breon Hayward. I, I don't think that he's regarded across this league. I think that he's undervalued. He is the he is a be, he, he's arguably the best player on defense for UTEP, and that's saying it with Praise of Melee, Jadrian Taylor. Uh, you got Dennis Barnes on that defense. That's with all those guys on that defense. And I'm still looking at Breon Hayward as possibly the best defensive player that they have. And that's just, uh, you know, a true testament as who, who he is as a player. He came from Marshall um, and now he's with the minors and really shining through these past couple seasons. I don't think he'll get the recognition he deserves. Uh, if he does get that recognition, then I'm taking somebody on the interior as far as the line. I'm taking either Kelton Moss or Keenan Stewart, because when you look at the pro football focus, advanced analytics on those guys, they absolutely love those two uh, defensive interior linemen. And it's hard not to because on their assignments, they, they regularly, they're the, they're probably the most consistent guys you're going to find in, in the interior defensive linemen uh, category uh, just game after game.
0: All right. Going a bit from the old heads to the young guys. Uh,
1: rookie of the year. I'm going to go Cartraven uh, Walker, the scat back running back. I, I liked what I saw. Out of him in spring ball, I think he's going to be that that guy who's a scat kind of running back, maybe catches passes out of the backfield. But he's going to be somebody that I'm really looking at. I'm also looking at, I don't know if you really call him a rookie necessarily, but Kelly Arcari. I, I totally butchered that. And I said it earlier, but I just want to emphasize that I'm butchering that last name. Uh, <laughs> he is a redshirt sophomore out of Tyler Junior College, and I expect him to be N- either number one wide receiver or number two behind Jeremiah Ballard, and if uh, Ballard, who's a redshirt freshman out of uh, out Adobe in, in Houston, if he has a chance to have a stellar season, then uh, you know you take your pick on that uh, on that receiver crew.
0: I like it. And then uh, going big, uh, team MVP.
1: All right, you know I had to do this, man. Gavin Artisan. I This is this is uh
0: gotta is, be the quarterback. Uh,
1: Yeah, it has to. I mean, right, because if Utah has success, it has to be because of Hardison. Last year, you saw how far the defense alone could take this team. And yeah, the offense had success at times, but at times it was, you know, you you question some of the play calling. You question some of the decisions specifically that Hardison made. And um, I think this year, all those things, you know, are, they have to be in the rear rear view mirror for the Miners in order for them to have success. So uh, I'm going to go Gavin Hardison on this one.
0: All right, big picture, kind of looking at conference. Uh, UTEP's finished. Is this a team that's bottom, middle, or top of the pack?
1: I think, you know, I, I'm I'm very high on this team, but I think realistic. Let's be realistic, right? This is a middle-of-the-pack team, maybe above middle-of-the-pack. They're not winning conference Tuesday. They're not going to contend for conference Tuesday this year, in my opinion, as of right now. Uh, who knows? Maybe they shock everybody and they make a run for it. But uh, this is a team who could probably finish again, like how they did last year, 7-6, and 7-5, and five, something along those lines.
0: Hey, I if you have modest expectations, you can't be that much disappointed. Just <laughs> I'm always okay with somebody proving me wrong to the upside. That's
1: fun. Oh man. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. That's it's gonna be a tough one for UTEP fans if they don't if they don't have that kind of success. I'll tell you that.
0: All right. Then uh at the top, 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 uh your pick, who's gonna win conference USA this year?
1: Whew. Uh, I'm going with, I'm going to go with UTSA. I think uh, they they kind of had a sour taste in their mouth as far as uh, how things ended last year. Although if you, maybe if you talk to them, they'd tell you that they're real content with uh, Jeff trailer and everything that how, how everything turned around, which they should be. I mean, they, they were ranked They They had a great season last year. And, you know, I know that there are some skeptics when it comes to trailer, but I still trust his uh, coaching model. I know they lost a ton of production, but uh, I like the guys that they brought in. So I'm going to go UTSA.
0: All right. And then one more on UTEP, Dana Dimmel. Uh, it's uh, September 1st, 2024. Is Dana Dimmel the head coach of the UTEP Miners?
1: Yes, yes, he is. And he is, um, you know, experiencing a, at that point, he is experiencing a new change in the team, a new identity. And that will be an interesting year, in my opinion, because that's kind of that first year without life, without Hardison, you know, you don't have him at that point. What's, what's next for this team? Do they like do want, do they want to go back to the Kansas state model and get more of a dual threat quarterback or do they go with more of a pocket passer kind of like Hardison? Uh, I think that's kind it's going to be kind of a rebuild year. And um, if UTEP does things right, maybe it's a, it's a, it's a long rebuild again, but fans are more patient knowing that, uh, that they had success in some previous years.
0: How far out could I have gone before you would have had to think about it?
1: You know, I like, can I, I'll, I'll be real with you. I just, where's Danny Dimmel going to go? If The only, <laughs> the only thing is, is he gets fired, right? Like things don't look up and he gets fired after the extension or he doesn't get renewed after the extension. That's really the only, because, you know, he's, he's up there in age and, and I'm, and I'm not just trying to, you know, uh, say that no agent or anything by any means but i'm just saying like let, let's be real as as just humans like how much how much longer does he want to do something like this where does he envision himself just you know his his uh mentor is bill uh, is is of course you know um bill snyder out, out of kansas state the legendary coach there so what what kind of uh, advice maybe he's is he giving dana dimmel at, at this point or is he giving any kind of advice does he want to move up knowing that there's so many shifts in college sports right now. I I don't know the answer to any of those things right there. I'd love to get inside his head and kind of ask these kind of questions. But I I don't think he's really thinking about that kind of stuff. I think he's pretty, you know, he kind of looks at what's what's in front of them and doesn't really worry about the future. He's, he's kind of a very level-headed person. When you talk to him,
0: he's really great. I will. And we're about to have conference USA media days coming right up here and, (laughs) data demo of all the conference USA coaches. I he's, he's one of the ones I enjoy talking with the most. Like he's just, he's, he's a real friendly, human right? that he's actually friendly. answers your questions.
1: Yeah. He's a friendly guy and he's not going to, uh, to be rude about anything. He understands that you're not, you're not covering UTEP day to day and he'll he'll help you with those kind of questions that you ask him. So yeah, I appreciate Dana. He's the easiest guy to work with out of any coach I've ever met as far as media goes. Um, easiest to work with, like, He'll, he'll go on and on, and he's very accessible whenever you need him.
0: He gave me barbecue recommendations in Houston last time I chatted with him.
1: There you go. I love it. I'm like, it? okay. It's good stuff. good stuff. He's been around the block. I, I like it. <laughs> good stuff, Dana. Good stuff.
0: I'll roll with it. All right. Well, we will close that and get you out of here. But before we do, um, where can we pay attention to, to you and the Miners, and, and what do you have going on? I know you're just not going to be – you know, twiddling your thumbs the next, what, four or five weeks we have to, till the season gets here.
1: Yeah, uh, we're gonna have a lot of coverage for the UTEP football team on our website, 600 com. Uh Best way to follow us is 600ESPN on Twitter. We have our minor talk show, which is after every UTEP games. But uh, yeah, I would just say to check out the website, and also if you have a po- if you uh, check out our podcast, it's 600 ESPN El Paso, wherever you get your podcasts, and we have a daily podcast from our our uh, daily radio show. So uh, that's that's the best way to follow us, 600ESPNEl
0: I'm all in. Well, thank as always for joining us, Adrian. I, I know you you talked about how you love having us chat with you at the top, but at the bottom, I'm going to close it off. We love having you on and, and talking at uh, UTEP and, and just getting to the, you know, Rice, UTEP, like into the weeds group of five football talk. If this is where the passion is at, man, like people care and I love it. <laughs>
1: People do care. I miss Carter on this call, but uh, it's always great to chat with you, Matthew. Um, And you guys do a great job at the Roost. Just want to commend all the stuff that you guys do. Uh, I hope that I hope that we get a chance to talk soon. Uh, And if not, hey, good luck in the AAC. Uh, I'll be definitely following all the stuff that you guys post all the time.
0: You have to make new friends, but that's (laughs) that's for another time. We'll never forget you. All right. We'll close up shop this week. Next week, we will be back. With our season preview series, we're wrapping them down. I think we just got a couple schools left, and then we've covered everybody, and then then it's officially football time, or at least fall camp time. We'll get there. But until then, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Rice Fight.
1: This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.